0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Agency Hacker. I'm Lance Johnson, one of the coaches here, and I am happy to be with Kevin Shragi. He's the founder of Brand Arrow, and uh, yeah, he's got one of the best camera setups. We are just commenting. For anybody watching on video, you see this perfect crisp video, really impressive, and I'm sure his agency is equally as impressive. Welcome to the show, Kevin.
1: Thanks, Lance. I think uh, being cool, looking cool is half the battle. Of being
0: a good agency owner. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm still working on that part. I feel like that's why I had to replace myself. I just embarrassed the team in front of clients. So <laughs> you know what? Let's get this guy out of here. Well, Kevin, tell us about Brandero. What do you guys do and how'd you get started? We are a
1: paid marketing agency. Um, we focus on high performance marketing, growth strategies. And primarily working with SaaS companies, and uh, we also work with a lot of course creators as well. Um, anything <laughs> that we're looking for, anything that scales—that's our our magic spot—is scale
0: scalability. Nice. And when you guys say like growth media, is there a specific tactic that you bring to it? Of like, okay, we're going to do B two B stuff or we are going to buy a lot of LinkedIn ads, or we do B2B tick or like um, the specific tactics you guys bring to it, which are pretty all around.
1: Um, well our biggest difference, well, at least we think we're different. I'm um, sure everybody does this, but we pride ourselves in being a testing machine. Mm. So we primarily focus on at the beginning of our engagement with any client is we are testing hundreds, if not thousands of variations of, ads landing pages um anywhere in between the funnel to find out what's gonna help grow the 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 company so what that looks it's kind of a complex thing but we always start with facebook instagram ads it's the cheapest way to like do testing from our experience and then once we hone in on the messaging we then expand to all the different um channels
0: that's really fascinating so when you are doing your testing you got thousands of variations like this is just a deep curiosity because i i like statistics but how do you all approach it right is it like hey we do five audiences five images five like is it just a factorial testing that makes so many variations or is it what's the process like because that's super cool
1: <clears throat> yeah we first start we first start with the messaging um and we we try to dial down the messaging into variables so instead of testing an entire ad at once um, could be very complex. There's a lot of variables involved. We separate every variable um, when we're doing our testing process. Um, quite frankly, we even start at the very beginning, we're starting just with pain points. Like what is their biggest pain point and their problems they're having? And then from there, we can start building messaging around the pain point and the solutions. Uh, but the reason why there's so many different tests is because we're separating all the variables. And then once we find out what's working, we start building our ads and our landing pages and all of our other assets around those, those first tests that we've ran.
0: That's awesome. And I feel like the objective is always a curious thing for me. Like a lot of times I'll start with, um, traffic objective, right? Where I'm like, okay, I just want to see the CPMs are going to be eight bucks instead of 30 bucks. And I just want to see like what we can like you say, I, I think of it as like problem definition and solution definition. Like what, what do people actually, what are they even interested in clicking on? Um, is it a similar thing for you all where you start with a different objective than you're going to end up at?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> we start with traffic cause it's going to give us a lot cheaper results. Um, and then we move from traffic to usually conversion, obviously. Uh, but yeah, we, we've tested the other way around this is we feel like you waste a lot of money on the conversion objective When you're doing these really small tests and we've through the data we've seen that the traffic objective gives you the same result um on the testing side of things it doesn't obviously work good when you're trying to get conversions but yeah it it was just a signal on what people really want and what they're looking for
0: this is a weird question but why do you think that like traffic objective converts so poorly because you're like man Sometimes you'll, you'll have, I don't know, 200 visitors from Traffic Objective and you're like, they were clearly interested. They were in the audience and we get zero conversions. What, how, how is it that bad?
1: Yeah. I mean, the theory is that Facebook, um, will find an audience that likes to click on things. Right. But they never convert. Uh, I, it's funny cause as an advertiser, you hear it all the time. Like, oh, Facebook ads, like. I never click on those things. it's like, yeah, we don't target you. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's and true. they don't
1: realize like, you know, one person out of a hundred clicking on it's good, right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: but, you know, I, that's my assumption is like they're, they're targeting an audience that probably isn't going to take action, but they're probably have the problems and the solution you're p- providing is probably something that they want, but they're not going to be an action taker and convert on it. Um, and when you switch to conversion ads, they're very specifically looking for people that have pulled their credit card out before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a super interesting thing where I was like, I was looking at like click cease. It's like, some of it's gotta be bot traffic. I was like, there's gotta be some bot traffic (laughs) because it just, is crazy that
1: early in my career, I was like shocked on the difference it makes to to switch to a conversion campaign. It's like,
0: why does anybody run traffic campaigns? I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's just for testing, but it does seem to correlate right. Of like, okay, if I get, I don't know what your kill rules are, but I'm like, all right, if I'm getting a 1% conversion or 1% click through on traffic ads, like I'm not going to get a good click through rate at all on conversion ads. And so my CPA is going to be way too high. Absolutely. Yeah. It usually drops. Yeah. It generally drops. Well, I would love to stay in the weeds on like testing methodologies and the statistics behind it and all that jazz. But let's back up. Like, how did you start brand arrow? What's the origin story for you guys?
1: Yeah. So I've been doing marketing for, I can't even count anymore, probably 17 years. Um, wow. early in my career, I worked at like a bigger corporate company, um, did everything marketing. Um, we did print billboards, uh, a lot of events, a lot of events. Uh, and then they started, um, learning about Google ads. So we started diving into Google AdWords. Uh, and I kind of took over that piece of the marketing is all the digital stuff. So started owning the website. Um, marketing automation was a big thing back then. Uh, this is right when marketing automation was starting to come out. Marketo was brand new. I'm not not sure. Marketo. Yeah. We were like customer like 162 or something. Wow. Um, so I became the, uh, the digital marketing guru for the company. Uh, and this was back in 2000, like eight or nine. And then, then also Facebook ads came out we were blown away that we could target a certain audience on these online ads. Cause before yeah. you just picked like a general region and then you ran the ads and yeah. you just cross your fingers. Um, but yeah, I did that for a while. Um, worked at some, uh, some startups, um, focusing on growth. And then I, back in it was 2019. Um, I actually was at a startup where I ended up getting laid off, and I didn't know what I was going to do. But I started getting work organically through friends and family, and nice. turned into actual. And actually, I didn't plan on doing it, <laughs> but I was like, you know, I've I've always been entrepreneurial for sure. I've always had always side gigs going on, and I did built apps back in the day. I was an app guy. Wow. Uh but I decided, you know what? I'm gonna just I'm gonna go for it. So I burned the boats, as you say, and said I'm not going back to a nine to five. I'm gonna go try this out and make this work. Um what's interesting though is right after I decided that COVID happened.
0: <laughs> oh man.
1: Well <laughs> it was interesting, it ended up being a blessing to disguise because uh for me anyways, one it, it I did. It was full focus. I had nothing else to worry about. Like it was the only thing I had, had to focus on was COVID or not, sorry, not COVID on the business <laughs> during COVID. Yep. Uh, and there was no outside distractions. It was easy to tell friends, no, I can't hang out with you. Cause you know, the whole COVID. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other thing that happened too, is businesses needed digital badly. Yeah. they were going yeah. from all the traditional ways to market to their customers to now, you know, then they are like their websites weren't put together, their social media accounts weren't you know dialed in. Um, they discovered this really quickly that they had to fix all those things in order to stay afloat during those times. So, anyways, it ended up working out for the best. Um, but I started my agency doing a little bit of everything, like websites, social media, and then just being the, the everything marketing guy. I quickly realized I had to focus. So I Mm. decided to go the paid route. The main reason is because it's the fastest way to show results. Um, You know, you can be the SEO guy and, you know, take six months and then social media, like it's going to take six months or a year to grow your audience. And I decided to switch to to the paid marketing stuff because it just usually helps companies get results a lot faster. Um, And I discovered the whole testing methodology that we use now that, Um, helped us really not only help them on the paid side, but also help them hone in on their messaging very, very quickly. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how it started and
0: that's where we're at now and we're enjoying, enjoying the ride so far. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people when they're like, man, I'm never going back to that nine to five, like I'm going to start my own thing. And I want to add like, yeah. So now you're going to do like the nine to nine or like the nine to 12 or, (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. It's not the really beginning a long
1: time. was the beginning was a lot of long hours, yeah. but it was, yeah. you know, again, it was during COVID, so like I was cool. Like I became this like recluse and like just really just I was like I'm making this happen. Like we're gonna make this work. Working weekends. Um, my wife didn't like it too much at the time, but we're in a good spot
0: now, though. Yeah, and and really, it's like it's usually a pretty short season. Like the startup season isn't that long. And you can hopefully like some people make it the the new normal where they just stick with that grind. But I feel like for most people, it's a few months, maybe the first year. But man, I'm super curious about your methodology. So where did you pick up your testing methodology? You just kind of see what worked for your clients and work things out on your own, or what was your resource for that?
1: I'm sure I'm like a lot of people that are trying to start an agency. They went out and like started consuming any possible piece of content they could, um, you know, even though I had a lot of experience, um, I felt like I wasn't still an expert in paid. So I started diving in a bunch of courses and learned a ton of different ways to do testing. Um, but I'll do I'll do a quick shout out to a company that I kind of model all my methodologies on and it's called MIT CRO.
0: I wondered Uh, if they,
1: yeah, I'd come across that too. Yeah, the, the founder came from Microsoft and she was part of the engineering team. And basically, Microsoft was the king of testing. Or, you know, these big Goliaths, they like just have very stringent testing methodologies. And she basically took that into the marketing world. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do for testing. Um, yeah. Before that, I was following a bunch of people's advice. And even whenever I was, you know, the director of marketing at these companies, we would like run a test and say, Oh, we got to wait 30 days to get a result back on changing a button color. And I'm like, this does not seem right. Like we should have results back a lot faster. I just didn't have, i never had my own methodology and how to do it. But so anyways, um, I uh, followed their methodology and uh, became a partner of theirs now. And I work with them with a lot of uh, different projects.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, when you were talking about the traffic objective stuff, I was like, Oh, that sounds very similar to the mint CRO work. That's really cool. And I, I feel like there's this, I don't know what I'd call it. Maybe taboo in split testing or in testing in general, this idea that we need statistical significance and, I just feel like we're not scientists, right? Like we're business people. We want to find what works. Like who, who cares about publishing a scientific paper that's going to be peer reviewed? Like none of (laughs) us are going to do that. And this was a thing made where if you miss a a winner, yeah, that's a bummer. But if you can test like three times as many things, then your odds of finding a winner are much, much higher.
1: Um, Yeah. After doing marketing for so long, um, actually I, I was at a, um, event where Dean Graziosi was speaking. He's Tony Robbins' marketing guy, and he said something that it's, it was good hearing it from him. He said it's marketing persistence. He mm. goes, "I've struggled with my campaigns, my own campaigns, trying to sell his book for for a long, like six months. He was saying with no results, but they finally found out the message that worked, and it just clicked overnight. And yeah. I've seen that time and time again with um the work that I've done and working with different clients." It's usually literally like sometimes just a sentence that just changes everything. Um, and it's all, and I will say a lot of it is messaging. It's usually not like changing a button color or something like that. But yeah, it's sometimes just easy as just changing, you know, the, the pitch or the angle that you're going at. And then it just changes the whole campaign overnight.
0: Yeah, it is. It's like both encouraging and discouraging sometimes to see what a big difference a small thing can make. Cause you're like, ah, I don't know what your experience is, but I feel like many of us marketers are looking for ways to increase certainty, right? It's like, I want to be certain this isn't going to fail. And so I started off as a copywriter and I like devoured copywriting books and I test a lot of this stuff and it probably works for another market, but maybe the market you're in, it doesn't work on. But we just like want certainty. We want to know that we're going to figure it out or we've got a method that's going to work. And the reality is it, it just takes iteration, right? And I feel like growing a marketing agency, like the problems that pay the best to solve are ones that are unsolvable by expert answers and only solvable by expert frameworks.
1: Yeah, a lot of people typically chase, you know, the shiny object syndrome, they chase the growth hacks and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. and they want to know like all the different secrets of like, do I flip this switch on or do I do this? Do I use this tool? And those usually help. They'll give you like a little boost to your campaign, but the magic is in writing really good copy. Yeah. That's what usually is what take it from nothing to millions of dollars overnight.
0: Yeah. And, and I think even like writing good copy, we can break that down further. The magic is like finding out what you should call the problem or finding out like what the name of the pain point is. And it's a weird thing because I feel like being an expert doesn't help you right where you can you can have written like a sales letter that did 10 million bucks or five sales letters that did 10 million bucks each or whatever and you're still starting over and like most of your initial ideas are still gonna bomb but if you can test your way through it then you can really find the gold it's more like gold prospecting than like uh, sculpting or some kind of art where expertise actually is helpful um yeah so the more
1: We always, we call it putting horses in the race. The more horses you can put the race, the better chance you have at winning. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember, you know, when I was working at these other companies, um, you know, in a director of marketing role, I remember there was times where we were literally using the same messaging over and over and over again, thinking it was going to fix things by testing some new, whatever campaign or new tool or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it. A lot of it has to do with product market fit too. So that's part of it. Um, but yeah, it's iterations over and over and over again until you find out what works.
0: Yeah. No truth. Wow. This is a fun topic. In addition to doing the testing though, we have to figure out how to get clients. So you got your first few clients through referrals. What's it look like for brand air to get clients now? Like what's your lead process?
1: So I do a couple of things. Um still getting word of mouth. Uh, I have some partners that, that I work with um that are um, been great at getting me some new clients. And the other thing, I you know, I've ran ads with some success, but I've actually taken approach. So a couple of things happened. I start firing clients I didn't want to work with anymore. Um I started realize that's I would say for any agency, this is probably the secret to, at least for me, it's been the secret to like. Growing the agency is actually working with your ideal clients. Um, I was saying yes to every single person that wanted work done, and I knew I always had a gut feeling like this is going to be one of those clients that are going to be mm. not the client itself is be hard to work with, just the company and business that they're trying to grow is going to be uphill battle, uh, which is fun in, in if you want to do that whole problem solving thing. But from a you know churn perspective. You would get these really complex, um, you know, businesses that are trying to sell something that's brand new to the market. It sounds really cool, but a lot of times that product market fit isn't there, or they just haven't proved yeah. it out yet. Yeah. And I was getting stuck with a lot of those clients, but then I decided to really hone in on the exact client that I want to work with. And really, the biggest thing I look for is scalability. Um, and I want I want a client that's already has sales, um, definitely something in the six figures at least. Because if they don't have any sales yet or very minute amount of sales, because when you're starting out, you usually get a lot of smaller clients. Yeah. Uh it's usually an uphill battle. So I like to have somebody that's um established and is, has the ability to scale the company. Yeah, so that makes sense. Going back, yeah, going back to that. So now my approach is we uh we do a lot of uh cold prospecting. Um we have a system put together where we're continually reaching out. I try not to do the cold email blast and like anything like that. I'm, I actually been doing a lot of, uh, I spend, you know, like an hour a day myself, which probably isn't very efficient. And I probably should get a prospecting team on, on board, but I'll actually just go to companies that I, I have people that build lists for me and I'll just go to those companies and just record a video for them. It only takes like five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Just talk about what they got going on and how we can improve things. And those get a lot of responses back.
0: The thing is I'm
1: going after people I actually want to work with and then I get pretty high responses on it.
0: That's really interesting. I know that we, like that was how I got my first clients before Loom was a thing. I like did a critique of a chicken coop website, which, (laughs) nice. yeah, I I don't know. Do you know what ClickBank is by chance? Like digital product reseller? It sounds familiar, yes. Yeah, so ClickBank, like back in the day, it was like the place to find the scammy make money online products. But they also had like other products, some scammy, some not. A lot of health and fitness, a lot of weight loss, all that jazz. And I was like, well, direct response copywriters write right for this kind of thing. But I don't really want to do weight loss, and I don't really want to do make money online. I don't really want to do dating. But they had a marketplace. So on that marketplace, I was like, sweet, there's this like – I didn't want to try for somebody that was really successful, which was kind of stupid. I should have tried for the successful person. So it's like, let me just check somebody who's at the bottom and I'm going to make them a video critique. And, um, the, pe- the people who owned it were like, Oh, actually we, we own this other thing that's at the top of the like gardening category. We'd like you to work on that instead. And, uh, it was, it was lucky because I felt like the chicken coop thing probably wouldn't have ever paid the bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, a yeah. couple of things there. One, I grew up a chicken farmer, so I know about chicken coops. Whoa, yeah, grew up on a farm out in the Midwest. Uh, but going back to what you're saying about uh, starting out, I did the same thing, and I, I I kind of attribute this to imposter syndrome, thinking you're not good enough. But it was so much easier to go talk to somebody that doesn't have an established business, mm. or you know that you know you could help very easily. Yep. But those conversations are easy, but when you talk to a bigger company that's been doing marketing for a couple of years now, and they're just trying to find a way to grow and they've tried everything, those are much harder conversations to have, and it's harder to prove your worth. But those are usually the ones... For me, what I've seen now is um, because I've been doing this so long that you know I do have the capability to help them, but they usually stick around a lot longer because... Uh, they, you know, they usually have funding, they have a runway, they have enough to like stick to pay you the bills versus <laughs> yeah. somebody, like nothing going on and yeah. you're, just, if you're just spending money and nothing's happening. It's just, it's, you know, takes forever to like, or usually, you know, it's,
0: it's going to have a lot of churn on those customers. Well, I mean, a lot of those folks, like we all started there, but they are trying to come up with the cash to fund it. As well as, so they got to pay your fee, they got to pay the ad cost, and they got to pay whatever other costs they have. And let's face it, like, it's really businesses are even more expensive than boat hobbies. There, I said it. You can spend more money on the business than a boat, <laughs> depending on the boat that you go with. Like, disclaimer. Yeah, that's so I'm really curious. And this is, you're the first person we've had on the show that uses video prospecting like that. So, what's the message look like for the video? Well, yeah, I haven't done one in years.
1: Yeah, so I usually, so I have somebody on my team as a VA. Basically, they're going out and they they do all of the the they gather other information for me. And if, if we we work out of a spreadsheet. I have a CRM too. We use that as well. But I ask them to go pick up certain things. So I need like we need to make sure they have. Um, uh, basically, we want we want people that are running ads already too, because that helps us yep. out. To then we. We have a link to those. So I critique the ads and I critique their landing page. Um, And then I show them basically my methodologies and how we do things. Uh, Whenever I show anybody the way we test, they all light up. That's usually what's been game changer for me. And I've heard it time and time again. Everybody's told me this before, what makes you different? Then I show them the way we do things and then they usually are pretty receptive to it. And the biggest difference And the way we do quote unquote testing is we're, we're, we're not really testing ads. We're testing your, their messaging. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that's the big difference in people that are just throwing a bunch of ads together and hoping one works. We take whatever we learn and we like, now you can use this as a headline on your website. You can use this in your social media posts. You can use this on YouTube videos. Um, this message is resonating with your audience. Uh, but that's typically the process. Is they gather all the um, assets for me, and then I just open up some links and just go over them. It takes me like five minutes, and I show them what we do, and send them a link. I use Loom, so Loom's amazing because obviously really easy to use, but then it also lets you know when somebody views it, so you can follow yeah. up with them.
0: Yeah, the analytics are nice. So with your agency right now, is it mainly you doing everything? Like you do sales fulfillment and you have some VAs helping out or is it like you and some team members? Where are things? Yeah. So
1: I, I'm right now focused on growth. So I'm doing a lot of, uh, the, I'm doing all the outreach, but I'm also doing, I got a YouTube channel now and really trying to put more content out there on social media. Um, be doing podcasts. Uh, (laughs) and also the other piece is just, um, guiding my team. So I have a, a team member that does all of the media buying and helps out with all the testing. Then I have a few VAs working underneath them and the VAs are just doing the day-to-day activities. And, uh, we have like a designer, we have a, uh, technical person that can do like landing page, um, design and also, uh, you know, the coding and adding pixels and event management and all that stuff. Uh, So really it's just myself and then one team member. And then we um, utilize VAs for a lot of the heavy lifting.
0: Nice. So you've mentioned outbound a couple of times and you're like, all right, this is the next step for agency growth. What's like been the hardest thing or the problem you found with outbound so far?
1: Uh, Well, right now i will say what I'm doing is not super efficient. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, it takes a lot of time out of day. The thing that I, I did, I've done, it's funny because I'm talking about, you know, I'm an ad agency and we've done ads, but what happens is I get a lot of people that are just coming in being tire kickers. Yeah. And I know there's different ways to build out um, a funnel that'll bring in probably higher quality leads, but uh, I just, I know who I want to work with now and that's why we do the outbound. So Definitely not the most efficient way to do it. And we are looking at probably finding somebody that can just schedule meetings for me versus me doing it. Mm-hmm. And then the next step would be, um, we're also kind of at a point where we need to start building the team out and hiring more. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's always a tough one because like, you you know how this works. It's like, okay, we got a rack capacity. If you hire one more person, it's like they take a huge chunk of the revenue, then not yeah. Half the capacity. Yeah, starting out, it's the hardest. But once you start growing, Mm. I'm sure
0: you know it just gets a lot easier. This might be like really controversial, but I I actually am a fan of project based pay, even for full time employees. And what ends up happening is you over like overpay for a full time employee. You might have an artist who makes eighty grand when you could have gotten an artist for fifty grand or something, but it adds only variable costs and it doesn't add any fixed costs. It's, you know
1: yeah. what? I've been exploring that, uh, mo- mostly on the design side of things. I like, so having full-time employee for project management basically is very helpful for me, but yeah, I've been looking at different ways to, um, bring in like content creators, uh, yeah. or videographers or, and then cause I don't have like, I have a VA for graphic design, but I don't have like a full-blown videographer or somebody who's like a specialist in landing pages. And we do go on like Upwork and Fiverr and find those people for certain projects, but I love that strategy.
0: And then like you said, it's variable costs and not fixed. Exactly. Yeah. And even, I would say even for, and these are W2 employees, right? Like they're in the U S they're W2, but even for project management, like Every expense is some percentage of revenue. And when you sit down, you're going to be like, we started hundred percent. You got the whole pie and then stuff comes out. You're like, well, 10% goes to sales development to book meetings and like 10%. And if you're doing all the jobs, you're like, I, my take home part of it is this. And then there's like investor profit left over at the end. But I, I'm just like, well, why don't we make this explicit so we can say, all right, project manager, you get two percent of revenue or three percent of revenue and you're like forced me to get the prices right too because Mm. it it, sometimes you can just at least for me my initial pricing was like hoping for magic to happen (laughs) (laughs) when when i looked at it it was like oh this is mathematically impossible to make a profit unless they do this project that should take three hours and 15 minutes i started out the same way i was like oh yeah this this sounds you just your pricing was just like
1: I'm guessing, oh, you have no and idea. You discover really quickly that it doesn't scale.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It's not profitable. Yeah, yeah. So pulling it out and being like, "All right, project management. Like, we want to fulfill everything for X percent. Right, twenty-five percent goes to fulfilling the whole job. We want sales to cost fifteen percent for a commission and the software and recruiting. And we want sales development to be twenty percent, whatever. And uh, that was really freeing for me because I. Was, Thought of it like okay, I can bring on part-time people easier, and it's this—it's roughly the same hiring process, but now I just say for this project, you want this amount? Um, and if I ask them to do something stupid, they're like, ah, "We don't get paid for that." And I have to think about it. It's like, is this worth a project fee? Because the time's going to be spent, and you're going to be paying for it one way or another.
1: Yeah, I like that approach. We do do that for sure when we get like bigger clients on, and I need more support. Um, but yeah, like hiring a full-time employee when you're this small is, it's a huge cut on the revenue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Unless you have, you don't go from, you don't double overnight. Right. So it's like, no, no. And I feel like I always want the employee count to chase demand, right? Like rather than lead demand. It's And that's mm-hmm. just like, there's not a right or wrong on that. Some people would say, I want to build it to excess capacity and then fill the capacity. I'm like, it's way easier to add capacity than it is to add demand in general. <laughs> like That's been my experience yeah. at least. And so let's start with the demand. And then when everybody's like stretched a little bit, first, we can do a lot more than we think we can do. And second, when there's a little bit of a stretch, now we've got space in those percentages to be like, all right. Well, would you like to make less money and bring on another person? And it's amazing how the conversation changes because people do hit a point where they're like, yes, I will take less money. I made 120 grand last year and it was awful. I'd like to make 100 this year or like 90 this year and we bring on another person. Um, So it's it's been like good for self-managing stuff as well. Not perfect. It's really payroll's a pain. Everybody in accounting hates, hates, hates the way we do payroll. Most people hate the way we do payroll except for me, but it's really been really really helpful. So, yeah. I like that my approach. Soapbox. Well, <laughs> you've you know you've had a lot of experience both on the corporate side doing marketing for clients, now you got your own agency. What are some of the takeaways that you've had the big differences between those two? Cuz I think you've got a unique perspective that you can look at it and know, here's what I would be thinking if I was director of marketing getting pitched this thing. Cause you've been there, right? You're like, I've heard the promises. I know these things. Uh, and you also are like, ah, yeah, I, as an agency owner, I know the other side now. So what are some things you think a lot of agency owners miss?
1: You know, when I was, um, on the corporate side, the thing that I was interesting is, uh, for, so whenever I worked with a ad agency, particularly, they were only focused on media buying and they didn't really care too much of what was going on on conversions and they would let us know <laughs> but i was 100 percent responsible for the creative the ads the copy wow the landing page and conversions um and they would consult us on stuff but they would never like get their hands dirty and like help us out and i've talked back then I was, I did interviews with several different ad agencies and they all kind of like had the same approach. So that's where I was like, if I'm going to start an agency, I'm not going to allow myself to just sit back and just do media buying. I want to be involved in every aspect of it and take responsibility because I've been yeah. in those shoes before and it's, it's stressful whenever you don't know what's working. Um, the other side of it too, is as, um, as the agency owner, if I don't have control over something after the ad, I get frustrated too because I'm like, dude, our ads are crushing it, but yeah. your landing page isn't converting well.
0: And then, yeah, then you begin
1: yeah. this whole consulting thing with landing page. And then I, right now, I don't take on clients unless I have control. I don't have to have full control, but we are compensated to um, basically optimize the full funnel. So whether we're doing all the work or not, um, we do have control over it. So that way, if they are complaining and the landing page isn't performing, it's on us because we have to we have to make sure we get it optimized.
0: Yeah, that I can appreciate that. I think coming from the copywriting background, I was like, man, I can write great copy, but if we don't get the buying dialed in, then we're not going to get anywhere. And so it was really, I just felt like a necessity to learn media buying because it's like, I want, I, I get paid commissions. <laughs> I want to get like royalties increase if I increase sales in other places. So I can appreciate that. And for you, it's probably like churn stays down if you're getting good results. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we, we would almost love to own the sales process too, but
1: uh, I don't want to go that deep into it. So I want to like stay in my lane, but at the same time, like I've just discovered if I only focus on ads, it just, we always see a lot of issues with um, the rest of the funnel not working. There's so much to it. You know, there's so many variables, not just the landing page. And you got to dive into nurturing and then the sales process and all that stuff. Yeah, no, that's real.
0: Well, Kevin, if people want to get in touch with you guys and they're like, hey, we need some help running our ads. or I think a lot of times it'll be, I have a client, they need this service. I can't provide it. uh, What's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: You can find me at, well, you can send me an email direct. I'm cool with that. Kevin at brandarrow.com. Um, but you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Kevin Shragi. Twitter, Kevin Shragi. Instagram, nice. Kevin Shragi. Nice. <laughs>
0: I got lucky. Consistency.
1: It's, it's a hard name to. Well, it's not a very common name, so I can always snag in there and get the. Yeah, uh, I can tell your
0: last name uh, isn't Johnson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although I went on TikTok to try to grab my name, and there's like five Marty on there. I was I was shocked.
0: No way.
1: So if the other Kevin Shrogi's listening, let me know. I'll, I'll buy your handle.
0: <laughs> well, great. Thanks so much for coming on. It was really fun to dive in a little bit on how you guys approach testing, how the personalized video, I think, is a real gem that uh, hopefully listeners will take away. And I also feel like it gets away from that like volume spam game, which... There's nothing inherently wrong with, but just we all have small numbers of clients that we could potentially work with, so it's like why not go a little deeper instead of going super super high volume. So yeah,
1: it definitely takes uh, takes you know some time to do. It. It's not the most efficient way to do it, but um, the response rates are pretty pretty awesome. I mean, out of I would say one out of four are responding to you. Whoa! And once you get on those, get on those calls, those calls are usually. I'm not sure the conversion on it, but I would say easily 25 percent, or if not higher. Bro,
0: this is um, nuts. Mine, my, my mind just got blown. I can't believe I didn't ask the metrics question before.
1: The specifics, though, is you have to go after clients that you
0: really know you can help.
1: Yeah. Um, and th- that's where we we always look for that ideal client, uh, and. Yeah. we so it was a per, It's a personal recording. I'm actually got their website up and I'm yep. showing them their website first, talking about them. Then I go into like what we do and they're always excited to jump on another call. That's you just awesome. give them enough though. You don't like give them everything on that first call. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Kevin, thanks for dropping the knowledge. Really grateful to have you on the podcast. And for anybody listening, if you're an agency owner and you're like, Hey, I got stuff to share on a podcast, or you just want to talk about your journey, love to have you on agency hackers just diving into people running agencies it's a very tricky you know show evidently so just go to agencyhacker.io and there's a come on the show link and we'd love to have you on Um, thanks for listening give us five stars and uh, check out kevin's work sounds like the testing model would just help a lot of people out